0: Jeff here, manager of EPRI's Grid Operations and Planning team. Welcome to the first Grid Operations and Planning podcast. You have been asking for a podcast, and so here it is. We're giving it a try. We hope this new form of sharing our work with you will be useful. This is new for us, so we certainly want your input. But enough about all that. Let's get to the good stuff. Our first episode. We wanted to start things off by highlighting one of the newest research programs in Grid Operations and Planning. Today we will be going to my roots, actually, to talk with the program manager of the Distribution Operations and Planning Program, Program 200, and that would be Lindsay Rogers.
1: Hey Jeff, great to be here. But weren't your roots actually more in the transmission side? We're just kind of going back to like your most recent roots here with this conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe. But most people don't know that I actually started on the transmission side of the house. So uh, let's not go there. But let's get better. Let's get back to the, uh, the more important stuff. So. Uh, back to the Distribution Operations and Planning. So, Lindsay, so remind us again, what is P200 all about?
1: Oh, how soon you forget, Jeff. Uh, but I will remind you. So the Distribution Operations and Planning Program is really all about grid modernization. Uh, distribution utilities around the world are making grid modernization investment dis- decisions, and they're really looking to balance things they've historically been considering, like affordability and reliability, but also having to consider these new requirements that they're going to need in the future, things like integrating DER and enabling their customers to better, um, to more engage and participate in the distribution system. Um, providing that reliable service, at least cost to customers. That's always sort of the key for distribution utilities. Um, But it's just getting a lot more complicated for them with these new resources that are coming in the future. And so that's really where we come in in P200 and support the decisions that utilities are making um, and help them transition into the future with a balanced, no regrets approach to considering all of these different things. Um, And we're really doing that with four sort of key ways of... things we're focusing on and supporting them through. Um, That's looking at developing new processes that are gonna enable the planners and operators to consider all of these new resources that are coming onto the system, Um, developing the tools that they're going to need to enable more um, efficient assessments of an increasingly complex system. Um, and just like the tools and the processes are changing, we're also looking at the workforce side of it and how um, the operators and planners are going to need to maybe be, have different skill sets and different training in the future and supporting that transition as well. And then the last piece of it is really looking at the technologies themselves. We've got our ops lab and the Knoxville office here, and we're really trying to look at evaluating those technologies and maximizing the use of the technologies um, with the utilities.
0: Well, that's all very exciting, Lindsay. And the program itself has four research areas that it spans, correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. So the work is really done in four research piece sets or project sets in EPRI speak. Um, we have one focused on advancing the planning methods and tools, um, one focused on operations, um, everything from the tools uh, to the control center and the staff um, within the control center. Um, Another one focused on the protection area, um, impacts of grid modernization to protection and the new technologies and protection schemes that are going to be required. Um, And the last one really focused on the analytics side, um, looking at the data models that are going to be required and new analytical methods that are needed across all of those areas, the planning, operations, and protection
0: space. So it sounds like P200 covers the full gamut of roles and responsibilities uh, for distribution utilities. So tell us more about some of the specific challenges facing distribution utilities today.
1: Yeah, so there is a lot of change going on at the distribution level right now. Uh, A lot of big shifts in how things have traditionally been done to how they're going to need to be done in the future. Uh, One example of that is in the planning space. Um, So traditional distribution planning methods and the analytics that planners have done historically are just no longer sufficient as they're looking to fully integrate DER and consider things like non-wires alternatives as a potential solution to a wires alternative as part of the planning process. Um, Many utilities are being required to consider uh, non-wires alternatives going forward, and this just introduces a lot of new requirements and considerations into the analytical process that the planners must uh, must do in, cons- to, in order to be able to consider the time and locational impacts of these, um, these sort of different and more complex resources than the traditional devices. Um, so within the program, we're looking at things like doing NWA screening um, to be able to reduce um, the complexity or reduce the amount of analysis that may need to be done from the, com- from the beginning, you know, understanding what NWA, when NWAs may make more sense, um, assessing and designing the alternatives themselves and com- in order to be able to compare them to the traditional solutions um, effectively. We also have a really big effort underway to focus specifically on this, working with a number of utilities to develop the new methods um, that are going to be required and define what planning tools will need to look like in the future to be able to perform these types of analyses. So a lot of work being done in that space. And when it comes to the non-wires sides of, side of things, it's not just about, you know, those internal um Pieces that the utilities have to do. There's also challenges around um, the public side of that. There's many stakeholder activities going on, talking about um, how to consider non-wires alternatives, how uh, distribution planning is evolving. And so being able to communicate those challenges with their stakeholders and their customers is also part of that sort of broader broader, um, challenge that, that distribution utilities are facing today. And uh, you know another one that's kind of near and dear to your heart, Jeff, is in this kind of similar vein is the hosting capacity work and you've been really involved in that since the uh, very beginning back in 2010 when we first started that work.
0: That's right, hosting capacity analytics. Yes, we've developed a number of tools over the years to help utilities well to address hosting capacity, but we'll talk about some of the tools a little bit later in the podcast. But to your point, DER really is changing the way utilities do things. Even the practices that have traditionally been used or having to change.
1: Yeah, and a great example of that, Jeff, is in the protection space. You know, the more and more D- DR is coming onto the system, protection engineers are really having to, cl- to take a closer look and consider the impact of these resources to uh, the protection, the existing protection schemes that are on the system, and particularly looking at things like the fault contribution from these resources. Um, and we're really looking in the program at how to model the resources and enable the protection engineers to fully characterize and consider them in the studies that they're doing and the impact that that's going to have on the reliability of the system
0: really good points lindsay we're really having to rethink protection overall as well so what about operations what kind of challenges are utilities facing as it relates to distribution operations
1: yeah so the magnitude of the change in distribution operations is just tremendous as well and it's not just because of der you know there's a lot more automation with distribution automation devices being installed on the system a lot more um, automated devices, more active system. There's also uh, increase in just the amount of data that's becoming available on the system because utilities have more visibility term with more sensors being installed, and it's just leading to a whole new set of requirements in how to operate the system. Um, and there's really a need for rethinking how the control center is designed and what roles are going to be required within the control center in order to be able to act, to operate that more active distribution system than um, what that uh, is done today. Um, one of the things that we've been looking at here most recently is really taking a page from from the transmission. Um, how things are done in transmission operations uh, and the role of operational planning um, and the need to have that new role within the distribution control center focused on sort of bridging the gap between um, the real-time operator, the dispatcher, the planner to be looking out maybe a little bit further ahead um, and seeing how the system is going to need to be operated um, in a different time frame than that real-time operations um, that's going to be done.
0: That's an important role moving forward, Lindsay. That's a really good point around operational planning and bridging that gap between traditional planning, long-term planning and and real-time operations and that engineering support that's needed at that level. Really good point. So a big piece is also just situational awareness in the distribution control center um, as well and how to enable that with the new data streams that are available um, uh, with new technologies that are to be deployed throughout the industry.
1: Yeah, that's right. So an example of that uh, is the work that we're doing related to alarm management. This is work that's been going on for for several years now in our operations space Um, with the new devices, the distribution automation, with the DER, the number of alarms uh, coming into the control center, coming into the operator is just um, growing exponentially, Uh, but there's really only a small number of those alarms that the operator really needs to react to and act on. Um, or to have to be able to kind of determine what just happened on the system. Um, and so the work that we're doing in the alarm management space is really trying to develop the methods and provide tools to allow the operator to sort of process and prioritize those alarms, get the clutter you know, off of the operator's desk so that they only see what they need to act, act on and then improve their overall situational awareness on a day-to-day basis in operating the system.
0: And putting those two things together, and we're talking about a whole new skill set and what the actual operator and the operational planner will be needed to do.
1: That's right. Training is just a widespread need. We hear time and time again across all of our members that finding training and retaining uh, skilled distribution operators, the skill set that's going to be needed in the future, um, is just a big challenge for everyone. Um, and that's where some of that, the work that I, I referenced in the beginning, looking at um, the workforce and what's going to be required, you know, that's really where that comes in. But these are all sorts of broader challenges we're talking about here. Uh, And layer on top of that, the very recent challenges from the pandemic, that really impacted utility operators quite a bit.
0: That's right, Lindsay. Uh, The operators were hit the hardest when various countries shut down. And recognizing some of those challenges, the P200 team working alongside the transmission ops and planning team actually hosted a number of webcasts earlier in the year. I think we had over 20 webcasts with over 3,000 participants from around the world, essentially sharing lessons learned, practices that were being put in place uh, in real time. So things like sequestration, automation in the control center, remote operations. So let's switch gears for a moment and talk about some of the software tools. We all know the distribution system is becoming much more complex and utilities are increasingly required to do more with the same resources. So part of the answer are new tools and analytics. So Lindsay, speak to some of the tools that we have developed and how utilities are taking advantage of them.
1: Sure. So DRIVE, which came up earlier when we were talking about hosting capacity analytics, is really a great example of that uh, for us in the program. DRIVE, which stands for the Distribution Resource Integration and Value Estimation Tool, um, is something we've been working on for, for several years now, working to the refine the analytics and the methods that are implemented within it, um, and it's really specifically ar- using hosting capacity um, to be able to look across your entire system and evaluate the ability to host new resources. And, and with DRIVE and with the capabilities that are implemented, it's really um, made it possible for utilities to efficiently look across their entire system, which can be you know, thousands of feeders in some cases, and look uh, look across their system and evaluate the locational impacts of different resources like ER, um, like load, um, and do that sort of on a node by node, node basis. So it gives you that, that breadth of system while also being able to capture um, the more granular, um, the depth of the distribution system as well. Um, and right now, you know, we're in the third year of our drive drive users group. We've got 35 utilities that are using the tool across the globe, and it just continues to grow and continues to be applied.
0: And Drive has become a great foundation for us to deliver other tools and analytical capabilities, both in our program, in Program 200, but also in the the DER integration program, Program 174. Uh, So things like the DER mitigation assessment module in Program 200, the system configuration assessment tool, uh, the automated DA placement tool, as well as some of the things like smart inverter settings and uh, and some of the other activities in, in the integration of DER program.
1: Right. It's really become a seamless way for EPRI to deliver these new analytics that we're developing as part of uh, the research that we do um, and make it plug into the existing planning tools and data that utilities have available today. A great way for utilities to you know, immediately get something that they can use on their system and, and use the analysis we're developing as we go. So you know, another one that interfaces with the existing um, planning and protection tools is our D tool. It's our distribution protection analysis toolkit. Uh, this one is geared at protection engineers, um, and what Dpat does is it automates the assessment of protection and coordination issues across your entire system, um, considering different things like distribution automation, DER, the characteristics of the DER. Um, We just released the first versions of that tool um, last year, and we've made updates to it this year uh, already. A lot of the updates this year are really looking at improving the visualization and reporting um, within the tool, getting a lot of great feedback from members on the use of that tool. Um, This is a, a great example of where automation can go a long way because of what's been implemented in DPAT. Um, the time it takes to do protect, protection coordination studies can just be really greatly, uh, greatly decreased um, by up to 80% in some cases. So a, a lot of that fish should be gained by using the, um, the DPAT tool in particular.
0: And, and actually, that's a good point. And this is a good case where we were actually able to leverage the experience from developing similar tools uh, in the transmission option planning area and developing something similar for the distribution
1: Yep, that's right. And I, I'm noting that you brought that up for us here, Jeff, our, our friends in transmission. This is one where we've been working very closely with the transmission office and planning transmission protection area uh, to really leverage the experience and expertise um, from the PSET tool that they developed in the transmission space to implement that on the distribution system with our DPAT tool. So it's a great example of, of that collaboration ac- across the T&D area.
0: Well, it's a good example of where the the lines are blurring between transmission and distribution as well. And so some of the analytics that we apply on the transmission side and on the distribution side can be leveraged going back and forth because um, that line, again, is not as clear as it used to be between T and D. So one thing we've been focusing heavily on is the automation of manual processes to save valuable engineering time. And that's where ADAPT comes in, right? The automated distribution analysis platform?
1: right adopt gives us the ability to really rethink the processes and tools being used for distribution planning and develop the new analytics that are going to be needed to consider the non-wires alternatives that I that I talked about earlier Um, The complexity is really just huge, which we talked about at the beginning of of the discussion, uh, you know, the time, location, the different resources and how to characterize them. So ADAPT is really our way to test things out internally, uh, work with utilities to figure out what information planners are going to need, what analytics are going to be required, the data that's going to be required to do that, and to be able to efficiently consider all of those different options as part of the planning process.
0: So really across all these things that you've talked about, Lindsay, from Drive to the Distribution Protection Analysis Toolkit, DPAT, to to ADAPT, it's all about automating analytics to improve workforce efficiency and make the lives of planners, operators, protection engineers much easier.
1: That's right. That's what it's all about.
0: So Lindsay, who is the audience for P200?
1: Well, come on now, Jeff. It's everybody.
0: Well, I agree.
1: (laughs) No, well, but in all seriousness, like we started with, it all really comes back to grid modernization. Um, And there isn't a distribution utility that isn't in the process of undergoing changes related to grid modernization, thinking of rethinking how they plan or operate the system because of modernization. Um, So no matter what stage of the modernization process you're in and what you're looking at, P200 really has work going on to address whatever stage that is.
0: And one of the great things about P200 is that it's structured so that you have a unique set of curated research to meet the needs of each utility staff member, whether they be a planner, whether they be an operator, a protection engineer, or data analytics staff.
1: Right. So, like I said, it's really everybody, everybody in the distribution <laughs> grid grid modernization space.
0: So, how do these how do these individuals become engaged with P200?
1: So engagement is a really huge part of what we do in Program 200. We're always looking for ways to try something new uh, to make the work that we're doing more accessible and easier for our members to apply it. Things like this podcast came straight from, from member feedback. So we're always looking at things that we can do to improve engaging in the program.
0: So, what did that look like this year with the pandemic then?
1: It was definitely different for us, and we're really missing our in person meetings and engagement with our members. But we've really tried to adapt as best as we could and learned a lot along the way. Um, we've been trying to leverage the technology we've got available with WebEx meetings and things like that, video conferencing to still have those those engagements with our members one-on-one. Even with that limitation, we're really seeing a a huge increase in the uh, task force participation this year. We increased the number of task force meetings that we had, webcast meetings that we had, um, and our attendance has just been really phenomenal so far in the program. We've had over 3,000 participants across all of the sessions. So we've been really pleased with the amount of engagement we've been able to have this year, even though we haven't been able to have those in-person meetings.
0: You know, one of the things I always hear from our customers, our members, was how much value they get from the interest groups that we have in P200. Can you speak a little bit about them?
1: Yes, absolutely. So we have two interest groups, the distribution operations interest group and the distribution planning interest group. And you're right that we just hear time and time again that the interest groups are the number one event that people attend all year. Um, they're really unique opportunities to sit in a room with your peer utilities, uh, whether that be a room full of operators or a room full of, of planners and talk about the issues that you're facing, the practices that you may be trying to change and you're looking at what others are doing and just having that sounding board um, to other utilities Uh, That you may not be able to get elsewhere. You know, in the transmission space, there are other organizations that provide that sort of environment, but in the distribution space, it just really, there isn't really anything else like it. And so that's what we're trying to do um, and and that we're providing with the distribution operations interest group and and the planning interest group. Unfortunately, this year, we didn't get to have those in-person meetings like we normally have. We have been doing some webcasts to enable that discussion to still to still happen, um, but we're really looking forward to next year when we're going to be able to be in our normal routine and, and get back in the room together for those interest group meetings.
0: So, Lindsay, I want to skip back to something you said a few minutes ago about operational planning and how much of a focus that was going forward. When you look into 2021, What are some of the other areas that stand out as key to the program?
1: Well, that's really huge for us over the next few years. You know, I think one of our members really said it best at at our advisory meetings recently um, that they really need help understanding um, what data is needed, who needs that data, and when do they need it in order to make decisions, in order for the planners and operators to make decisions. And so there's just so much data becoming available on the distribution system. It really is quickly becoming overwhelming um, in some cases or just overly complicated um, trying to figure out how to use the data and what data is really needed. And so we're trying to sort through that clutter and enable uh, utilities to use the data as an asset on the distribution system. So we're developing methods um, and a framework to ensure that the engineers have the processes and tools in place to be able to use that data effectively um, going forward for the different applications that they need it for. Um, And another one, you've really been heavily involved in, Jeff, and that's on the electrification um, side of things and considering new loads like electric vehicles,
0: that's right, electrification. We actually have a, a board working group initiative dedicated to uh, electrification, as well as we're working alongside the, the, our, uh, our peers in program 18. There's a, as it relates to electrification, there's a huge opportunity, as well as challenges, as it relates to electrification in the next five to 10 years. And that's gonna affect both planning and operations, whether that be because your neighbors are all buying Tesla Model Xs, or the new Rivian truck that's about to hit the road. Um, or UPS FedEx completely electrifying their fleet in the next, next couple of years. So planning to understand um, you know, what the, di- the distribution system can accommodate, where, what infrastructure investments are going to be needed to enable electrification. But it's also going to be a challenge on the operation side as it relates to managing EV charging in real time. Um, and that's going to be a challenge for both transmission and distribution.
1: That's a good point. Electric vehicles will definitely impact both transmission and distribution, just like DER is doing today.
0: You're right. And this coordination across T&D is becoming more and more of a need in the industry.
1: In the operations space, we see this particularly with DER and using these new resources connected to the distribution system that may be providing services to the bulk system. You know, we joke that there's this pesky thing in between the transmission system operator and that DER that they wanna use. And that's the DSO, the distribution operator. Um, but it's real, and, and the DSO provides that intelligence and that understanding of the distribution constraints that may, be, may limit what the DER can provide and what services may be available for the transmission system. And so the DSO is really critical there, and that's where that coordination across transmission and distribution is just going to become even more and more important as we go forward.
0: Completely agree. Well, thanks, Lindsay. This has been enjoyable. Lots of exciting work going on in P200 and certainly no shortage of work to be done. You have definitely reminded me that distribution is the center of the universe.
1: Yeah, now don't forget that, Jeff. We have that on record now with this podcast.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, that's our show for today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grid Operations and Planning Podcast. Please give us your feedback, whether that be content, format, whatever's on your mind. This is all about you, so we want to hear what you think. Thanks. Have a great day.